All right, everyone. Welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast. My name is James. I'm your host. And today is episode 14. So for today's episode, we're going to go to Florida. We're going to interview Michael Kilgore, and he is uh, the chief marketing officer for the Columbia Restaurant Group. And in case you don't know, Columbia Restaurant is the oldest restaurant in the state of Florida. And today we're going to learn all about its history and how it's been able to survive to today. They're about to celebrate their 115th year anniversary, and they are a multi-generational family business, and that's always exciting to see. I love interviewing these types of businesses because it gives a lot of insight into how to do things right. And uh, Michael was a uh, he was a great interview and has a lot of great insights and value bombs throughout the interviews. So it's going to be worth the listen. Before we dive into the interview, I wanted to take a moment and again thank everyone for listening to the show today. And if you like what you hear, make sure you share that with someone. Share that with one person and uh, let them know what you learned today on the show. Now, we'll dive right into the interview with Michael. Well, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to talk with me this evening. It's my pleasure. Before we dive in and talk about Florida's Florida's oldest restaurant, how about you go ahead and introduce yourself for everyone? Sure. I'm Michael Kilgore, and I'm the chief marketing officer for all the Columbia Restaurant Group restaurants, which uh, at this point stands at 13 different locations and uh, two more on the way. Fantastic. Tell me a little bit about how Columbia Restaurant got its start. Well, it's uh, it's a pretty interesting story. Uh, We're still owned by the founding family, and we are the oldest restaurant in Florida. So in uh, the late 1800s, the founder's great-grandfather, Casimiro Hernandez Sr., came over from Cuba with his four sons looking for a better life. And uh, he worked at a, uh, at a brewery, and then he opened the Saloon Columbia, December 17, 1903, which is the same day the Wright brothers took flight. But we date our anniversary back to 1905, which is when he started the restaurant. So that's the origin. Uh, somebody looking for a better life and, uh, and finding it, creating it, building it. And then uh, his family still, uh, fourth and fifth generations later, are still owned, owning and operating it all these years later. Now, that seems to be a common theme. When you start to look into some of these restaurants that have been around as, as long as Columbia has, a lot of them got their start as a, as a saloon and then transitioned into a restaurant. What was the, uh, what was the driving force behind that switch back in the day? Do you know? Well, I I can speculate a little bit. Um, strangely, I wasn't there, but, uh, (laughs) but I can, I can speculate. It was, uh, you know, breweries back then would, uh, would start saloons to sell the product much like, um, railroads would build a destination You know, Canadian Pacific built Banff in Canada to give people a reason to take their railroad to Banff and to Canada. Mm-hmm. So, you know, breweries and the distillers were no different. They would, uh, they would open these saloons as a way to move the product. But I think, I think Casimiro had, 
had bigger ideas and bigger plans. And uh, the opportunity came up to buy the next door restaurant. It was called La Fonda. And it was a, a chance to, to incorporate that, that restaurant. It was literally next door to the, to the saloon and just bring it into the fold. So um, I think it was a matter of uh, it's when I think idea met opportunity. Yeah, I like that. One thing that I absolutely love about doing this show is that it gives me the opportunity to talk with a lot of different multi-generational family businesses. And I think that is fairly rare in today's world where it's all, you know, franchised and corporate and, you know, maybe it was founded by a family at some point, but now they've distanced themselves and they're no longer involved. How has Columbia managed to remain a family business throughout the years? Yeah, I think I think it's not easy. I, I read a New York Times story article, an article about two years ago that said, I think two to four percent of U.S. family businesses make it to the fourth generation. So already that's that's quite a challenge. And uh, even even with this family, uh, the Gonsmark family now, uh, originally the uh, Hernandez family, I think I think there was a challenge every generation had to overcome. And you think about a restaurant that's been around since since 1905, and you're having to deal with, uh, you know, world wars, depression, uh, prohibition, urban renewal, the closing of the of the cigar factories in Tampa Zebor City, which was, you know, provided so much of the neighborhood and so much of the uh, the daily business. So every generation had to confront that challenge and had to uh, had to find a way to overcome it, and they all. They all did that in different ways, but but one thing none of them ever did, to my knowledge and, and to the best of our, our history, is that they never treated the business like an ATM. And uh, our our current fourth generation co-owner Richard Gonsmart says that a lot. Is that you know you can't treat it like an ATM. You have to invest money back into the business. So I think that's one tenet of of, uh, of lasting this long. Another is is paying attention to detail, and and making sure there's there's, there's nothing too small. Uh, our owners come into the office every day. This is not that they own it; they own and operate it. They run it. They pay attention to everything. Uh, so I think that's the second tenet is is paying attention to everything. Uh, the third, perhaps for us, is providing value, and I think the fourth is is and particularly to the restaurant business is knowing that you're only as good as your last meal. I mean, we never consider, you know, to rest on our laurels. We can never be content with our reputation. We can never be satisfied with the reviews that we've received in the past because you're only as good as your last meal. And uh, people outside this industry as diverse as, you know, Joe DiMaggio and Bruce Springsteen, have said when when asked, you know, why do they play so hard? Why do they why do they you know why do they persevere? Why do they do it as much and as long as they do? And they both said the same thing years years later. They said, this might be the only time anybody sees me. This might be it. And they've sacrificed their time and their money, and they've invested in this experience. And I owe it to them to, to have be the best that it can be. And uh, you know, if it works for baseball players and it works for entertainers. It also works for restaurateurs. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's the best answer that I've ever gotten to that question really. And I think 
I think that's a common thread when it comes to restaurants that they'll experience some measure of success. And then, like you said, they either treat it as an ATM or they stop paying attention to the little details and then they start to go downhill. I, I can't tell you how many times I'll read reviews on restaurants where they'll say, where they will say, Oh, they're not as good as they were when they opened up or they're not as good as they were last year when I went in. And, and I think that's a very real, uh, a very real thing. And it's, it's refreshing to see, you know, a restaurant like, like Columbia that has been open for so long and weathered so much adversity, like you mentioned, depressions, world wars, that they are still (laughs) paying attention to the details and still just as passionate today as they were when they very first started. We had a, we had an operations meeting this morning at uh, 1030. And in the first five minutes, Richard said, you know, if you're coasting, you're going downhill. So (laughs) it's, uh, it's something we hear all the time. And, uh, and it doesn't matter how successful we are and have been. And we, we've been, you know, fortunately, uh, everybody's worked really hard and we've been tremendously successful, but it doesn't matter how, how much success you've had, uh, you know, you have to worry about entropy and you have to, you know, you, when you, you, you stop moving, then, then you just drop it out of the sky. So that's something that, that we worry about even when we have, you know, we look at financials, we look at reviews, we look at the things and everybody feels pretty good. And it's like, we have to come back to earth. We have to think, okay, that's good, but that's not enough. That that was yesterday, and today is today. Right. And uh, the other thing, you know, that I, you were talking about longevity that I just wanted to mention because I just found this out is we're we're celebrating 115th anniversary next year of our founding of the of the restaurant, and it looks like we are the tenth oldest restaurant in the country still owned by the family founding family. Now that's it's a tough thing to totally prove conclusively, but that's, that's for the best information we can find. That's what it looks like. So tenth, tenth oldest in the country, still owned by the founding family. Yeah, it. I'll, I'll tell you, it's incredible. This is something that I research, and this is something that I, I, you know, I try to interview restaurants that are doing what you're doing, and uh, companies that are doing what you're doing, and it's it's rare. It's hard to find multi generational family business, family owned restaurants that are, are still doing it. Yeah. And, and you have to have a, you know, you have to have a, you know, the family members have to have a love for it and a passion for it. And fortunately every generation are, you know, like I said, the fifth generation is working in the business. Richard's daughter, uh, Andrea and his nephew, Casey Gunsmart Jr. are both working every day in the restaurant. They're the heirs apparent. They'll be moving up. And, um, you know, I don't even want to think about what would happen if neither of them were interested. I mean, um, that would be, in my mind, a tragedy to, to have this this great legacy, you know, leave pass out of the family hands. It would be terrible. Uh, fortunately, that's not happening. But I, you know, I can see you know, it does happen in businesses. And, and there are businesses that both you and I know and great restaurant chains, uh, family-owned restaurants that have had it happen in the last four or five years. Uh, either because of, uh, you know, people want to move on or family squabbles or things like that. So uh, we we count ourselves, and again, I'm not a family member, but but they treat us like family, so I can sort of sort of, sort of act like I'm a family member. Um, you know, it, it's it's uh, um, it's 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 rewarding 
to work there. And, and, and it's, and it's reassuring to see the commitment, uh, every day. I mean, Richard, for example, you know, doesn't sleep much, he sleeps three or four hours a night and, uh, has ADD and is dyslexic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a, it's an interesting dynamic, but everywhere he goes, he's learning, he's reading. I mean, he came in today and he said, I was up at three o'clock in the morning and I read this and, you know, he'll go, he's leaving for Sicily tomorrow. Uh, because we're opening a Sicilian restaurant in uh, uh, at the first of next year, and he he's always researching, sending back photos, and and uh, you know it, it's uh, I'll add to I think those four things you mentioned before about how do you stay open this long? I think curiosity, curiosity. I think I think as long as you're still curious and you're still learning, then that that adds fuel to the fire. You just keep doing the same old thing over and over again, then I can see that might get boring and maybe you lose interest and maybe you move on to something else. But, but as long as you, you find something, find something to keep that spark, um, whether it's new, new brands, which we've done, we opened five restaurants in the last, uh, in the last three years, uh, including some new brands, the restaurant in January will be a new brand, Sicilian restaurant. The one a couple years after that will be another new brand. So that, uh, that lets us blend both the, you know, the, the past and, and the future and, and keep things, keep things fresh. I love that. I love, uh, you know, I think there's power behind that, behind staying curious, always learning, always looking for, for what's next while appreciating what you have currently and, and making sure you take care of that. Um, I think that leads to my next question on when I talk with these, restaurants and businesses that are family owned and operated that are multi-generational they all have family members through the generations that have had some impact on the business have left some mark on the business are there any of those that stand out when when you're looking at the columbia, uh, columbia restaurant and you know the different generations that have been involved and the marks that they've left on the business well, you know, we mentioned every every generation had its challenges, and you know, obviously, the the first generation had to had to, you know started from scratch, and uh, and start this new business. So that there was that the uh, the second generation had to manage it through, you know, the Great Depression, and just in a few years after the Great Depression, around 1935 or so, oh, expanded the restaurant at the end of the Great Depression, expanded the restaurant. And, and opened uh, the Don Quixote room, which was the first air-conditioned dining room in the city of Tampa. And he told his wife at the time that, I hope this works, because if it doesn't work, I'll have to kill myself. Um, that was the second generation. And then uh, the third generation, it was Richard's, uh, Richard Gonsmart's and Casey Gonsmart's dad, um, urban renewal had come through. And the part of Tampa where, where we are uh, became a bit of a ghost town um, because all the cigar factories were gone and, and the neighborhood was, was, was being dispersed. And he fortunately was a, was a classically trained violin player. And his wife played, was a graduate of Juilliard, played piano. So they basically saved the Columbia in those years by providing live entertainment. And, and he was, he was just a showman and, a and, uh, you know, there was that. And then Richard and Casey have taken that and that torch, as Richard likes to say, and, and carries that torch and 
has brought these other brands in. We opened a restaurant called Ulele, U-L-E-L-E, five years ago in a deserted part of Tampa that I used to joke as the marketing guy, I would say, you know, here's a, here's a restaurant nobody can, can pronounce in an area of town no one will go to with a menu I can't talk about until we open. <laughs> but, but it's been tremendously successful. Open, open Table Diners named it one of the best 100 uh, new restaurants in the country. It was one of the hottest uh, 100 restaurants in the country. So we won all those awards and accolades and things like that. We just celebrated our five-year anniversary. That was quite a chance. Every generation had to take a chance where it was at an initial leap of faith or, or taking a chance on opening, expanding the restaurant at the end of a, of a worldwide depression, uh, persevering in the time of, of, of declining neighborhood populations, or taking a chance on brand new concepts. And, uh, you know, not every, not every decision has panned out and, and not every action worked. But most of them did, and and that's that's why the Columbia Restaurant Group is is still around and still thriving. Yeah, that's great. I I like that. Um, I I think from other restaurants that I've talked about uh, talked with that have been open some even longer than than Columbia, they always mention that element of of luck to it. They can point to uh, one point or two points where they took that risk. And, uh, and it, and it paid off, you know, and, you know, certainly every risk you take isn't going to pan out, but I think that's what it, it takes goes back to that theme of continuing to pay attention to the business and, and where you're at and how you're going to continue to change and evolve so that you can continue to stay relevant. That's absolutely true. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's true in, in virtually every business. True. Right. Um, so with a restaurant that's about to celebrate their 115th anniversary, I'm sure there are some stories that have been kicked around uh, through that time period. Do you have a, a couple favorites that stand out to you? Sure. Um, we've been around for a long time. So a lot of, a lot of celebrities have, have passed through along with a lot of, a lot of uh, families celebrating various uh, generational milestones. But um, Babe Ruth was very famously uh, kicked out of the Columbia for being drunk. Um, he later came back and apologized and was readmitted. But uh, that's that's a pretty good story when you have somebody like Babe Ruth uh, not only in your restaurant but being kicked out of your restaurant. And uh, to uh, that follow that baseball, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was a big guy. And uh, to follow the baseball theme, uh, then uh, Joe DiMaggio also ate in the restaurant and he brought some actress named Marilyn Monroe with him. So we had Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe eating in the, in the restaurant. And at one point, apparently uh, Marilyn Monroe got up and went to the, uh, went to the bathroom and she was gone for a really long time. And when someone went to check on her, she'd been in there talking with our longtime uh, ladies bathroom attendant, And uh, they were just talking. <laughs> so, um, so we have those kinds of stories, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that, that when you look back on the history, you just have to, you have to shake your head and think about, it. you know, just, it, we, we talk, you know, if these tables could talk and, and 
every table has had multiple stories like that and celebrities, actors and politicians and uh, people like that. And it's, uh, it's one of the things we're trying to working on is, uh, is, is putting together a little video, video uh, mini series called if these tables could talk and, and having our uh, ownership talk about who was at that table because they has <laughs> an encyclopedic memory of who ate at this table and when and what happened. So, um, you know, there's one where Sony Bono was, was eating and, and someone came up and was so excited to see him that she threw her arms around his neck and basically was choking him to death because she was so excited to see him. Um, so we have, we have, yes, we have a few stories. When you, when you visit somewhere old that has that kind of history, you know, you, you, you want to have the table start talking to you and tell you some of those stories, just, if only you could see what all happened through the years, you know, that that's incredible. Yeah. We've, we've talked a little bit about how, uh, how Columbia has changed throughout the years. Um, is there anything that stands out to you about the, any changes to, you know, the menu or the building or anything like that, that, uh, on how Columbia, the Columbia restaurant has changed through the years? Well, the building obviously has expanded, and we started in this little, uh, you know, corner corner bar, and now we can seat seventeen hundred people in fifteen different dining rooms at our at our Ebor City location. So obviously, the building has has evolved. Uh, some of the recipes still still date back to to the early days, you know, the Spanish bean soup and things like that. Uh, others changed and evolved over the years, and then maybe evolved back. Uh, we're very famous for something called the 1905 salad. And there was a period of time when the restaurant back in probably, I don't know, maybe the seventies, I think, um, was trying to save some money and, and started cutting corners. And that's one of the things that, that created the rebound for the fourth generation is saying, okay, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going back to all fresh ingredients. And, and now that salad is, is, you know, USA Today named it, one of the best salads in the country to make a full meal out of. So you have to, with all these things, I think you have to have, you have to have a respect for the past. You know, you have to have a respect for what has come before, but you also have to keep an eye on the future. And, and it's that balance, I think that, that successful businesses, successful restaurants do. You can't, if you just keep doing the same old thing at some point, it won't, just be consistent it will be old so we have to keep looking at at how palates change and and how tastes change um i'm sure we have a lot more vegetarian options and vegan options on the columbia menu than we ever did before because that's not something that anybody was caring about back then so you, you can find all kinds of vegetarian things great salads and black bean cakes and, and things like that so that you know that's something uh, that has changed o- over the years. What what hasn't changed probably is is that you know attention to detail and and, and caring about the customer experience. We love seeing these families come in who who celebrate these wonderful moments in life. I mean, it, it may start with an engagement party, and then it's a you know it's a wedding reception, and then it's you know it's other birthday parties, anniversaries. And, you know, at some point, a celebration of life. And we have generation after generation who, who, who celebrate these, these moments with us. 
and it's uh, you know coming to Columbia is not just a meal. It's 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 you know it's a it's a it's a rite of passage almost in some ways, and it's something that's expected uh, for birthdays and anniversaries and things. We don't ever take that for granted. Uh, that goes back to going back to your earliest days, your last meal. I mean, if somebody comes there for their for their birthday and they have a bad experience, they're not going to want to come back for their next birthday or for their anniversary. So uh, those those moments, those meals mean more than just the meal in the moment. It means it means you know future meals and future moments as well. So that's 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 why you know everybody cares so much, and 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 you can tell. I told you the family treats treats staff members like family too um you'll see uh richard going through and shaking hands and fist bumping with people and 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 andrea gonzar williams his daughter will will walk through the restaurant and and hug people as she comes across them she can't get through she can't through the dining room without without hugging you know five or six of, of our servers um that's just that's just the way it is that's the way the family is and that's the way this business is i love hearing and feeling the passion that's there you know and uh, and you can feel it the way you talk about the way you talk about the owners and and how they interact and how much they care and what they do, you know, tirelessly working to keep everything moving forward. It it's uh, you know there's a reason there's a reason that they're going to be celebrating 115 years and and that's that's real evident from talking with you today. Well, you know, I think that it's e- it's easy to work hard. You know, we work hard, we play hard too. It's easy to work hard when you see owners who work as hard as ours do. Um, you know, you you probably work places, so have I, where you feel like, well, I'm, it's nine o'clock at night and I'm still here, and where's everybody else? Where's you know, where's the owner? Where's the guy making all the money? And and what happens in our case is that is that you know, our owners are usually the first people in and and, and are working along, you know, it, whether they're in a restaurant or not, long after we stop working. And and we give a lot of money away if we have a moment. I would say we give we give we have benefits. We we give millions of dollars away. This this is September. We give away five percent of every guest check to local charities every, every day in September. For, we've done that for, this is our twenty second. This is our twenty second year. I think it's something like two point one, two point two million dollars we're giving away in the in the first twenty one years. It's the twenty second year of this. So you know that that makes it easy. And and you know for us. You know, we're not just, you know, I, you know, I, I told you I'm in the, I'm in marketing. So I, I, I don't feel like I'm selling black beans and rice when I talk about the restaurant, when I talk about what we do, I think, I think we're really talking about, you know, history and, and heritage and, and generational connections. And yeah, we have great food, too, but, but <laughs> <That helps. laughs> you know, it, it's more, yeah, it does help. It really does help and, and great service, but but it, it's the whole experience, you know, it's not, it's not just the food. And that's what's I think intriguing this to, to some of us. I don't come from the restaurant business and, and that's what I love about it is, is telling these stories that there happen to be true and, and, and letting people know about this wonderful history and this wonderful family who, who've done so much for the, for the community. So it's, if, if you, if you sense that I'm excited and you sense that I'm passionate, that's, it, it's true. I mean, I can't, you know, I can't fake it. Uh, and, and it's been, it's been a pretty amazing experience. I've been in Tampa since 71 and I've known this family since, since 71, but I haven't worked there all that long, but I've known about the restaurant all that time and nothing I, I saw outside 
before I worked there and, and what I've seen inside has changed my opinion one bit uh, other than I've gained even more respect for what they do and how they do it. Well, that's fantastic. It's always good to hear, you know, that businesses give back and that they are invested in the communities because ultimately it's that community that's kept them, kept them going all these years. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what we say is, is, you know, when people ask, why do you, you know, why do you give so much? Because Richard's line is if it doesn't hurt when you write the check, you haven't given enough. Uh, when they ask him about, about the charities, he said, look, we want to support the communities that, that have supported us in the good times and the bad. And, you know, we have seven Columbia's around the state, and then we have six other locations and four other brands. And the Columbia does this, this community harvest in September, and all the communities have local charities. So if you're at the St. Augustine restaurant, you can pick charities there. If you're at Celebration in Orlando or Sarasota or San Key or Tampa, you pick the charity that means something to you because you're probably from that area. And, and so it's, it's, it's very localized. We're not, we don't dictate to you from Tampa who you have to give to. We, we interview charities and, and list them on a ballot. And if you have a worthy nonprofit that's not on a ballot and it's a 501c3, you can write them in and we'll send them, we'll send them the money. So um, it's, uh, it's very localized. And uh, I think that it's, uh, it's, it's just giving back. When, you, when you've been successful, um, you know, as you rise, so, so shall you lift. And I think, that's, uh, I think that's sort of what we try to do is if we're successful, we want everybody else to be successful too. Michael, I've really appreciated the, uh, the chat that we've had today. And I'll get you out of here on one last question. And, uh, I'll do my best. Okay. <laughs> so for, for me, I've, I've never been to Columbia restaurant. What can I expect from visiting today and how can I learn more about the restaurant? Um, I'd like you to come to the restaurant sometime. One of, one of our Columbia's, uh, you can go to our website, which is Columbia restaurant.com. Uh, it's Columbia with a U we're named for, um, a very famous song called Columbia Gem of the Ocean and also a ship, uh, not the country that's spelled like an O. Uh, so it's ColumbiaRestaurant.com. We have a lot of history there. If you look at something called the Columbia Experience, we have bios, we have history, we have photos. So, so that's one way. And then, of course, we have, we have social media accounts like everyone else. And, and we tell stories. We don't tell you to come buy our food, come buy this, come buy that. We try to tell stories there. So uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you can you can find out a lot via our social media accounts, and uh, really have you follow along. And uh, if you uh, happen to have heard this podcast and you happen to come to Tampa, please ask someone to come get me. I'd love to come see somebody in person who heard this. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, again, I I really do appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for being on the show. It's been my pleasure. I, I really I really enjoyed talking to you, and hope you make it to Tampa at some point. thank Michael for coming on the show today. It's always great to have these types of interviews and couldn't do the show without them. Now this week in the kitchen, I'm going to go back to 1836. So this was a vintage recipe. I was going through a cookbook 
and uh, I was going through the sauce section of the cookbook. I was looking for something kind of uh, quick and easy and uh, that I could do and put up on the blog. What I found was a recipe for salad sauce. And I guess that's what you would call salad dressing back in the 1800s. But uh, that piqued my interest. It was just a unique name, salad sauce. It sounded cool, so I thought I had to make it. And uh, it was actually really simple. And there's a really good chance you already have all the ingredients on hand in your house right now. Just super basic, simple ingredients. And... uh, It takes egg yolks, vinegar, oil, seasonings, herbs, whatever you want to throw in it at that point. And uh, check it out at ToastedKettle.com. When I made this recipe, it was really interesting. It, It didn't quite thin out like a normal salad dressing that we would use today. It, it was kind of more of a, a thick paste. And uh, I guess you could remedy that by adding more oil and more vinegar to it and uh, making more of a vinaigrette or cutting back on the egg yolks. I mean, our eggs might be larger than what they had back in the 1800s. So, you know, maybe doing two egg yolks instead of four egg yolks and then keeping the vinegar and, uh, and oil the same would probably help as well. But what you have here is a really good launching point. If you like salad dressings or vinaigrettes, there are a lot of ways that you can customize them. You can add fruit for sweetness. You can add herbs. You could change up the vinegars. You you know, there's no end. Different oils, different types of oils. Uh, there's no end to how you can customize a salad dressing recipe like this. And so the way I made it was pretty basic. I used apple cider vinegar and a little bit of balsamic vinegar for my for my base. And then I did not add in any herbs. I was going to add some basil, but I decided not to at the last minute. And when I first tried it, it was really bland, to be honest. And that surprised me because of all the vinegar that went into this. But in the recipe, they talk about adding salt and pepper. And so once I added some salt and pepper, it really brought out that flavor. And then it was it was right on. It was money. And because it was so thick, it was not something that spreads on a salad easily. So it, it was more the way I made it, the way it turned out, it's going to be perfect for those people that like to dip veggies into something or... Uh, you go to a restaurant, you order the salad dressing on the side so you can kind of control how much is actually going on your salad. And uh, this would be that perfect application. You could dip your salad into it with a fork or, uh, like I said, cut back on the egg yolks to make it, it thinner. But I would love to hear, if you make the recipe, I'd love to hear how you customized it and what you did to be successful with it. I'm always open to learning from you as well. So go to ToastyKettle.com. You can find the recipe and you can leave your comments there. Well, that's all I have for this week. Thanks for listening. Again, if you like what you heard, make sure you share that with a friend. Until next week.